0: Well, good morning, Renaissance family. Uh, we, this is the, the second week of the new year, and if you'll if you'll hang with me for a few moments, I want I, wa- I want to communicate to you that you have a purpose. You've been created for a purpose. And uh, more than that, like you can hear the voice of God. The voice of God is is, is hearable. The will of God is knowable. And uh, so we want to get to some things to, to understand uh, the, the will of God and, the, and to hear the voice of God in our lives and to know that we have been created uh, for a purpose. So stick with me in the, in the next few moments, if you will. Uh, listen, it's the new year, and it's uh, January 9th, if you're listening to this live uh, as we air it on Sunday, uh, but many of us have made these New Year's resolutions, right? We've, we've uh, exercised or diet. Maybe you're listening to this on the treadmill right now. Well, good for you, but for probably the majority of us, of us, we have already... Uh, missed out on our our resolution that we set we've already you know it's still January so there's still time don't worry about it but you know we we have made these resolutions and we've already kind of fell off the wagon so to speak but uh, what kind of goals have you set what kind of of resolutions did you look at or 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 did you at all right Uh, what are uh, some of of God's goals for uh, 2022 in your life Maybe you've included that in your planning. Maybe that is uh, some of the things that, that you're looking for. You want to uh, read through the Bible this year. You want to uh, spend more time in prayer. You want to grow in your relationship with God. Maybe that was part of your New Year's resolution. Maybe that was part of your, your growth plan. Uh, have you asked the question, God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to, to go? What do you want me to say? Uh, I, I say to my kids often this uh, God created you on purpose and for a purpose. What is that, that purpose? What would that purpose be? It, it, in a more general and universal sense, you and I, uh, humanity was created to glorify God. That is our, our purpose. In fact, we're, we're encouraged in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. It says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So everything we do, everything's supposed to glorify God. Glorify is, is similar to the word magnify, but, but it's not to be confused with the way like a, a microscope would magnify something, right? A, mag, a microscope, it, it takes something that is, is small, like a, a dust mite, and it magnifies it to where it's, it's huge, right? And it can look like this monster from a, from a Stephen King flick. Uh, but, but no, it, it's more like the Hubble telescope, right? It, it reaches out into the vast expanse, of, into the far reaches of the universe. And, and what What used to look like this small pin light in the night sky now is revealed to be this massive ball of energy out there in space. And it's more powerful than what we thought and and more powerful than what we saw in the night sky. That's the way you and I are to to glorify God with with our lives and with our actions. Your life lived out in obedience to him reveals to the world, to your family, to your friends, the vastness of The greatness of the glory of God in all that he is and all that he does. First Peter encourages us in this way. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Listen to this. That you may proclaim his excellencies. That's our purpose. Excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You and I have been created for the glory of God, to glorify God in the beginning Right? It was God who would say this in, in Genesis. Uh, one twenty six. it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, the image of God is reflected Right when we are in relationship with one another. And, and the ancients, they're, they're seeing, they're making images that, to represent their gods, their idols, right? They would craft them with, with wood and with, with metal, Right into something that would represent this this God or this idol to them, but God shows distinction here as he as he makes us in His image. He makes us. He crafts us. He fashioned us to represent Him. It's Him, right, who would fashion us out of the dust of the ground, and we're made in, in His image to be His image bearer. We represent Him as we are given dominion, control, and power. Right, that is our is our purpose to. to to represent him, to be uh, his image bearers, to glorify God in our lives and our actions. But what so is the problem? If that's our purpose, what's the problem? Well, the problem is is, is it's always been. We have our, our own ideas, We set our own goals and our own resolutions. We have our own own plans. Many of our our thoughts and prayers are are asking God to join us in what we are planning and what we are doing. God, would you help me accomplish my goals? And God, come bless what I have have thought out and planned out for for this year. And, And we do this instead of positioning ourselves to join him in what he's doing, right? Are we asking this question? Are we asking God, how do you want to work in and through me this year? How do you want to work in and throughout my life this year? Adam and Eve, they, they faced the same temptation and, and they gave in. They said, we want to be like God. We want to follow our own plans. We want to represent our own selves. We want to know good from evil just like God. And so, so that's the, our, our purpose is to glorify God. And that's the problem is we want our own way. We want our own plan. So, so here's the plan. It's our purpose that's the problem, so, so here's the plan. It's the plan of redemption, right? We're lost in sin. We're out of relationship with God now because of, of sin, and we no longer are, are his representatives. We are, we are not his ambassadors, lost in sin, right? We cannot be who we were created to be and, and, and do what we were created to do. We are unable to, to glorify God, and worse, we are destined to die in our sin, right? That's, that's a problem, that's the big problem. So here's the plan. The plan is that God the Father sends his son Jesus. Right? Maybe you know it well. He, he, he sends his son Jesus to do Adam what Adam and Eve were unable to do. For this reason, Jesus is referred to often as, as the second Adam. Right? He's able to do what the first Adam was not. So he steps into flesh. He steps into flesh and he faces every temptation you and I face yet without sin. He dies a death that you and I very much deserve. And he takes the sins of the world upon himself, paying that penalty. Now, now, you and I, we have the opportunity to put our faith and trust in Jesus. If we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he says he is, and that he's, he's, he did everything that we, that we read about in scriptures, you are made alive. The Bible says born again. Right? It's your spirit man that is now made alive in Christ. And you will be for, for all of eternity. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty great plan, isn't it? Second Corinthians 5.17, it puts it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God. It's his plan, who through Christ reconciled himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him once again. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, his image bearers. Once again, that's, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And I, I love it when a plan comes together. Right? Representatives, once again. Ambassadors, once again. So isn't it imperative that we reflect him Right, in our lives, that we glorify him, that, that you and I should be like that, that Hubble telescope representing uh, to everyone the greatness and the vastness of God and who he is, the vastness of his, his mercies, that his mercies are, are, are new every morning, that, that great is thy faithfulness, right? His love, it reaches to the heavens. His, his righteousness is like the highest mountains. His riches are unsearchable, right? The riches of Christ are unsearchable. This is what leads Paul to pray in Ephesians 3, Starting in verse 16, it says that, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth and the width and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God right, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power that is working within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen, right? He can and he wants to do in and through you more than you can think, more than you you know, more than you can imagine, more than you can plan or, or make resolutions for. God wants to work in and through you, right, to glorify him, to bring others to him, to reconcile others, right? It's cute. It really is. It's cute that we make our own plans, isn't it? Our own goals, our own resolutions. But his way is better. His way is better and his will is knowable. His will is noble. He's knowable. He speaks and you can hear his voice. And he will direct your steps. He has a path for your life. The voice of God, maybe that's the question. How can I hear the voice of God? Maybe you're one who, who, who that's kind of an unfamiliar concept. Maybe you've, you've uh, begun a relationship with, with Jesus, but when people talk about hearing the voice of God, you're like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what they, they mean. Let me first start by saying this. Salvation is a free gift. There's nothing you have to do to earn it. God is not transactional in this way. He did all the work. However, there are disciplines that will greatly impact your relationship with God. Do you hear his voice regularly? Would you say that God is guiding you, directing your life? Would you say that the, the Holy Spirit is, is leading your decisions? Right, that you hear his voice If I'm to represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords well, what do I need to know and and what do I need to do? Should be kind of the questions that we're we're asking. Let me encourage you with this. Pastor and author Jensen Franklin, he put it this way. That there are are dimensions of, of our glorious king that will never be revealed to the casual, disinterested worshiper. There are walls of intercession that will never be scaled by dispassionate religious service. But when you take steps to break out of the ordinary and worship him as he deserves, you will begin to see the facets of his being you never knew existed. He will begin to share secrets with you about himself, his plans, his desire for you. When you worship God as he deserves, he is magnified. Again, you you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And that purpose is to represent and glorify God to be his ambassadors so that others would be reconciled to him right so what are some things i can do like you want to grow in your relationship with god you want to be led by his voice what are some things i can do well the theological term here is sanctification it means literally to be set apart and it's it's where we get the word saint like you and i as we come to christ we're we're called saints through jesus you are a saint you are are sanctified Right? This is often called positional sanctification because of your position in Christ, you are sanctified. You are set apart as holy and righteous because Jesus is holy and righteous. But there's also what is called this progressive sanctification, and that is, that is our life that is lived out in obedience to God and his word. Right? We are to be, as Ephesians 5 would say, imitators of God. Several times we're encouraged in the New Testament to, to put off our old self and to put on the new self, right? That that we are, are growing, that we're to, to, to be growing and changing. Galatians five says this, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. But but I wanna get real real practical for a moment. Matthew uh, 5 through 7, this is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, right? He's, he's begun his earthly ministry. He's, he's called some of his disciples, and, and he was drawing crowds, and, and word was getting out about, about the healings and uh, the casting out of demons. And, and as the crowds grow, he, go, he goes up on the mountain, and he, and he begins to teach the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and there's three things that Jesus teaches the crowd that I want to key in on that I believe will position you to grow and mature as you hear his voice. And we can use these as almost a, a litmus test in our own lives to see where we fall. He says this: when you give, and when you pray, and when you fast. Right? These are these are things that would be assumed in the maturing life of a believer that you're that you're giving, that you're praying, that you're you're fasting. And his instruction here is, is not just to to do these things as, as, a, as a hypocrite, right you, you do these things so that other people see what you 're doing, but there, there are these sp- spiritual disciplines that are, are to be part of our lives as a believer in order for us to grow and mature and to be sanctified right that progressive sanctification become sensitive to to hearing his voice to to know his leading so those are the questions like where am i do i do I give? Is that a part of my my discipline is do I, do I pray and, and do I fast? And we can find ourselves, right, where we're frustrated or stuck in our, our relationship with God. And we can even come to the place where we, th- we say things like, I guess Christianity just doesn't work for me, right? I tried Jesus. I don't have the peace that they, they all talk about. Right? But, but, but are you maturing? Are you growing? Are you, are you doing these things? Again, I just want to bring, bring us back to, to to these disciplines, but to to also know salvation is is free. It's a free gift, so don't confuse the the, the two. But there is life in the spirit. Remember, Paul prayed that you would know the love of Christ, that it surpasses knowledge, right? So I'm supposed to know something that surpasses being known. Yeah, that's it, that you'd be filled with all the fullness of God, right? He's able to do more than we could possibly ask think or imagine because it's him that's working in us and through us and so for him to work in us and through us we have to be growing and maturing in that process of sanctification so is that your experience with your faith journey right does Christianity look like that for me I promise you it can and 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 it's not even my promise. that's a bold promise right it's not even my promise it's it's his Okay so I I have a few guitars if many of you might know. And that makes me a guitar owner. <laughs> I I uh, can give you one of the, the guitars. I can give you a guitar and, and bestow upon you that that heavenly axe and and you're now that guitar owner. And it's yours. It was a gift. You did nothing uh, to earn it. It's yours. No one can take it from you. And now I can't I can t- I, I can tell you from experience that in order to get this thing to really, really sing, like, you're going to have to put in some work. Like, there are some disciplines that you have to apply. You're going to have to learn some, some scales. You're going to have to learn some chords. You're gonna, your fingers are going to, uh, the tips of your fingers are going to get calluses. You're, gonna, you're, you're probably going to bleed a little bit. And the more you, you apply those disciplines, the more you will grow. As a guitarist, And you'll be playing songs, and you're going to be able to, there's different styles, and you can grow in. And How many of you are a guitar owner, right? You've owned a guitar for years and you still can't play. Like maybe you've picked one up at a garage sale, right? You just, you couldn't pass it up. It was, it was there and it was, it's in the, in the sale because somebody else had a guitar and they don't play it, right? Uh, And you told yourself someday, I actually, I, I played trumpet for years. Through junior high and in high school, and I was telling the guys today as we're recording this, like, man, if if we were we were live, like, I wanted to pull the trumpet out, right? And I wanted to to, to play you uh, what I could still play, because I, I was I was pretty good, right? Jazz band was probably uh, by far my favorite. Uh, my kids, they were cleaning out uh, a closet, and they and they brought up one of, one of my trumpets, and uh, they wanted me to play. They said, uh, you know, Dad, play play something. And now I'm still, I'm still a, a trumpet over like they, that was my, they're my trumpets. And uh, I own two of them, right? They're down there in the closet, in their cases. And, and I can tell you, I can't play like I used to. I picked it up and I I, I did a scale and I was like, oh, okay. I, I would not I didn't even know what to expect as I played it, but there, there was a few honks and like these flagellant squeaks that came out at first, and, but I was able to, to get off a, a scale, and I played a, a jazz lick, Then there was some stuff from, from Pet band, I remember, no, okay, favorite football team, I don't know, so it was loud, it was obnoxious, you would have loved it if you were here in the room, but uh, I actually, you know, I sounded better than I expected, but I had set aside the disciplines that made me a a good trumpet player, right? I was not the player that I, that I that I once was. And um, t- this morning, I put on this this jacket, and uh, you know, I'm sitting down. And it's unbuttoned, and uh, but I can tell you, even if I stood up, I would not be able to comfortably button the jacket because I've set aside some some disciplines, right? And maybe that's part of your New Year's resolution. It is it is mine, but you've been a believer for years, but like my, my trumpet playing, you've set aside some of the, the disciplines that made you mature and grow at first, right? The Bible speaks in Revelation about abandoning our first love that we, uh, the, the warning for that church was that they, they had gotten away from their, their first love. And we, we can get away from those things that allowed us to hear God's voice and to grow and mature in him. And hear me a million times, a million times say salvation is a free gift There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do to to earn it. Just receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus. It's his righteousness. It's it's his holiness that we step into. But the will of God, it is knowable. The voice of God, you can hear it. The Holy Spirit will direct your steps. But we we have to be maturing and growing in Christ. And that, my friends, it takes work. So today, I want to focus on positioning ourselves to hear the voice of God through fasting and prayer. And I, I say those together because you can fast physically and there are undeniable benefits to fasting, right? Just, just fasting physically. You can lose weight. You can lower blood pressure. It can, it can allow your, your organs to rest as your body uh, focuses that energy elsewhere, right? You, the great philosophers, right, Hippocrates, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, all advocated for fasting. Right? It brought healing and, and clarity of thought and mind. So, fasting has some, some physical benefits, there are no doubt. But tomorrow we begin, as Jeff and Joe have, have mentioned, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we'll gather on Tuesday nights, not this Tuesday night as we're, we're uh, canceled uh, in person gatherings this week, but uh, down in the cafe, we're going to gather at 6 Thursday, so Tuesday, January 18th, to worship and to pray together as we, as we fast together. Like we're calling the the church to 21 days of, of prayer and fasting beginning tomorrow, January 10th, right? And one of the ones that I would recommend or advocate uh, is uh, this 21 day Daniel fast. And um, it, it's if if I were to recommend a fast, it would be this one. And and here's why: because well, we're, we're fasting for 21 days, so it, it lines up with that. But um, you can find. More resources about fasting, and specifically this 21-day fast, at FoursquarePrayer.org. FoursquarePrayer.org, and that will give you some resources. It will give you daily reminders. Um, it's just a great resource to have. But the Daniel Fast is basically this. It, you, you fast, uh, uh, you only eat fruits and vegetables, so there's no meat, there's no wine, there's no breads, there's no sugars. Um, it, but why, why fasting? Right? There's 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 something spiritual. There's something supernatural that happens when we fast. And I can't, I can't fully explain it. I don't, I don't fully understand it, but I do have some thoughts. And I, I want to share those with you, uh, if you'll hang tight with me this, this morning. Um, so in the beginning, we, we, we see Adam and Eve. And, and we see them forfeit their future. Their created purpose for fruit. right? Fruit from the tree that they were told not to eat of. They, the temptation to satisfy their fleshly desire to be like God, knowing good and evil. The mechanism for that temptation was feeding the flesh. It was it was food, right? So fast forward, and this theme will play out all throughout scripture, right? I've learned that as I began to read the Bible as a narrative, as a story, there's, a, there's a, um, this plan that culminates in the person of Jesus, right? Everything points to Jesus. And There are these themes that that often will repeat themselves, and those are ones that you kind of want to take note of, right? So following Adam and Eve, we also see this theme of forfeiting one's future or their created purpose for momentary gratification of food. We see it uh, in in Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob and Esau, they're twins, and Esau was the firstborn, and Esau was an outdoorsman and a hunter's type, and here, let's pick it up in Genesis 25, starting in 29, Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name is called Edom, meaning red. And and, and Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, "Swear, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and he drank and he rose and he went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. People, Esau forfeited his future, his birthright. You could say his created purpose for food, for a bowl of lentils. Like I, I, I have, I've had lentils. I can, I can take them or leave them. But I'm not forfeiting my future, my created purpose, my my birthright for, for lentils. Let's see this theme th- play out in the children of Israel. They they have been uh, freed from from slavery in Egypt. Right? It was by the supernatural working of the Lord. Right? They see the hand of God with the ten plagues. They they they'd seen the Red Sea part and they passed through it on dry land. They they were guided by the Holy Spirit with a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was literally leading them. Their clothes and their shoes would not wear out. There was, there was manna, this bread from heaven that the Lord provided in the morning. And, and, and some began to complain. They had this craving. They wanted meat. And they began to say, remember the fish, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Remember the, the melons and the cucumbers. Now, I can eat a cucumber like like anybody else, you know, a little ranch probably or throwing in some vinegar, making a pickle, but I'm probably not one to, to forfeit my future for a cucumber, right? They wanted to return to Egypt. Do they remember the bondage, right? Do they remember the, the whips? Do they remember the, the bricks they were forced to make? Do they remember that the Egyptians were wanting to kill their baby boys? They wanted to forfeit their future. They're, they're created the pur- purpose as the chosen people of God for food. There's a connection in the spirit when you fast food. When you deny what the flesh craves and I don't fully understand it but I see it throughout scripture. I see it throughout the Bible. If you want to give up social media or, or entertainment or TV as so many do, there are for sure some benefits but biblical fasting has always been about food. Jesus often is referred to as the second Adam and it's because he was able to do what that first Adam and Eve were unable to do. He too would be tempted by food. We'll see this play out in the life of Jesus. When we we see Jesus in the Gospels as he's about to be baptized by, by John the Baptist. He, right, the heavens open, the, the, the Father, the Lord speaks, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The Father is well pleased with Jesus. Note this, it's before any miracle was done. No miracle was performed before any disciples were called, right? There's there's no following. There's no teaching that's been given. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form. And, and well, now, full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was, would be led or driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to fast for 40 days. Now the forty days—that's a, a callback to the forty years of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, right? Forty is, is reminiscent of the forty days that Moses would would fast as he's given the old covenant, right? The the old law, and Jesus is tempted, much like the first Adam, right? Much like Adam and Eve were tempted, and though tempted in every way, the Book of Hebrews tells us in, in, in four verses, fifteen, right? Part B, it says. Uh, who in every respect have been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So for 40 days, Jesus is being tempted. And recorded in the scripture are, are three of those, or really the culmination of those temptations. The first one, can you guess what it is? It's food. Satan's like, I can, I can see you're hungry. Luke 4, 3. If you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, I I, I say uh Satan has upped his game a little bit. Uh, he, he went from fruit to bread, fresh-baked bread. Can, you can just smell it coming out of the oven, right? And uh, this, this was a challenge to the, the purpose of Jesus. If you are, if you are the Son of God, his, his, his purpose, his future, prove it. He would have forfeited his future. He would have forfeited our future, but he doesn't. He was able to do what the first Adam and Eve were unable to do. They failed to do it. Many will say he responds with, with the word, with scripture, which is true, but we read that and, and it may seem like a little obscure to us, but what, what makes that quote so powerful is he's actually referencing Deuteronomy 8. The Jews would, would read this and they, they know their, their Torah well, so when he says, you know, uh, uh, man does not live by bread alone, right, this whole passage opens up to them. Right? It would explode in the mind of the Jewish believers. So in, in Deuteronomy 8, Moses had, had just given them uh, the Ten Commandments. Right, It represents the old uh, covenant. He had, he had just explained to them that they are a chosen people. And then we arrive at, at chapter 8. So let me read this in context of, of Jesus' temptation. Because guess what? He's about to enter into the new covenant. He's about to begin to, to teach and draw people. Say the kingdom of heaven is at hand and, and begin this, this new covenant. And you shall remember, in verse 2 of of chapter 8, the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let your hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live, here it is, by bread alone, But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. We don't like to hear that, right? So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you, listen, this is their created purpose, into a good land. A land of brooks, of waters, of fountains and springs, flowing in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs and trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, out of those whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. So why, why do we fast? We fast because it reminds us to rely on God. We fast because it positions us to to hear every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We want to hear God's voice. We fast because it denies our our flesh that is is temporary and that's going to fade away. And it puts the focus on our spirit, man, that is born again, that is made alive. It's been made alive in Christ and is eternal. Here's what fasting is not. Fasting is not forcing God's hand to move on your behalf. Right? You're not some child holding their breath until their, their face turns blue so that their, the, the parent will give them what, they're, what they want. Right? Fasting is not suffering to prove to others and to God how righteous and holy we are. Look at me. Look, look, at, look at how I suffer. Right? That's part of what Jesus warned about in his Sermon on the Mount. Don't be like the hypocrites. I, I don't fully understand why fasting works, but it does. Hebrews says that he rewards those who seek him. Jesus taught that the Father rewards those who who fast. If you want to mature in your faith, if you want to grow in your understanding, if you want to hear God's voice, there's no better place to start than by prayer and fasting. It just works. It does. So let me close with this. I I entered a a season several years back of of, uh, prayer and fasting. I, I determined in my mind, like I had a reason I I had ended a job, and before I took another job, I had followed the direction of a, of a, a pastor who said, you know, when else in your life are you going to be able to take you know, these, these couple weeks and, and uh, commit it to like a full-time job, to, to pray, to study, to fast, uh, to read the Word. And so I, I prayed, and I fasted, and I studied. And I, you know, the first two weeks, it was a, a complete fast. It was nothing but water. And um, there were some foundational things that, um, that happened in, during that fast for me. As I prepared for, for this message, I was thinking back on, on all that the Lord uh, did and, and has continued to do because of, of that season of fasting in, in my life. Um, one, of the enormous, uh, one of the things of enormous impact for me was when I, I felt the Lord ask me, I uh, heard his voice, and I heard him ask me to, to call my grandfather. Now, you have to understand my, my relationship with my, my grandfather. It wasn't one where... Uh, um, I ever called him before, right? It was, um, it was there was respect. There was a, a certain amount of, of uh, fear for, for my grandfather in that relationship, but we're, we weren't super close. And this, to me, picking up the phone and calling my grandfather was, uh, was, was uncomfortable because it wasn't just, hey, grandfather, how are you doing? But um, what he was directing me to do was, was to share the message of salvation with him. Now, my grandfather was, was Catholic and I, I know he believed in God, but at this point in his life, if he couldn't attend mass, there, he wasn't going to do anything else. Kind of like when you you may have stayed home from school and, and you wanted to, to go hang out with your friends and your parents said no because you'd stayed home from school. So if you stayed home from school, you weren't going to go play. Right? That, that's kind of the mentality he had at this stage in his life. And I believe it was part of him, he, w- he was trying to prove or he was trying to, to earn his, his salvation. He was trying to make sure his good outweighed his bad. And So this call was uh, supposed to be me telling him the message of the gospel, and it was the good news that Jesus did all the work that it's a gift that it's free and I remember wrestling with this and then I, then I, I I made this request to God I was like, lord would you would you allow me to to write a letter and uh, I think that was all, all part of, of being directed by the Holy Spirit and, and hearing his voice and here's why because I, I heard him say yes, and I did I, I wrote the letter and his birthday was was coming up, and so I, I placed it in a birthday card, and I, I dropped it in the mail. Now this letter was was full of the, the message of of salvation and, and this free gift of of eternal life through Jesus and all his work that he did on the cross. And do you uh, do you know he never never called? Like we never had that phone conversation, but he did receive the letter and his birthday. Uh, it was a birthday card. His birthday was right around the corner. And uh, he took that birthday card to a, a birthday party they were having. And he ended up sharing that card with everybody that was at the party. He passed it around. And um, so everyone at that party read the, the message of salvation, the the gospel. And um, uh, it, it was that next week that, that he would pass away. I believe I, I positioned myself to hear the Lord. And what I was praying for, what I was hoping for, was, was a job. But what I found was, was salvation. Right? I believe that my grandpa uh, put his faith in Jesus uh, who, who wasn't looking for him to, to earn or receive or make sure his good outweighed his, his bad. I believe my, my grandpa was to, to, to put his faith in Jesus who did it all. Right? My grandma would, would ask me later that, that, that week to, to read the letter at his wake. So because I had positioned myself to hear the voice of God with prayer and fasting, um, I was standing in front of a couple hundred people. It was standing room only at, at, at his funeral, and they all heard the message of the cross. They heard the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because I had decided to, to fast. You know, I, 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 didn't actually, I didn't get a full-time job for 15 months. The very thing that I set myself, that I wanted, that I was fasting for, you know. But God rewarded me in ways that I could never have dreamed. There was story after story that came out of that season of fasting, right, that's been foundational in my life and in my ministry that I believe God did because I positioned myself to hear his voice. You get to represent, reflect a God of the impossible, Right? And as you grow and as you mature, right, as you apply these, these disciplines to your life, I, I believe that you will, you will hear his voice, that you will know the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, that he will direct your steps and you'll know where to go. And it might not be the resolution that you set out, but it's going to be so much better. He has your best interest in mind and he loves you with an unending love. I, my prayer for you today is that you would know his voice. Would you join us in these 21 days of prayer and fasting that begin tomorrow, January 10th? Again, FoursquarePrayer.org for uh, a lot of resources and encouragement and daily reminders. And then uh, January 18th, we're going to gather together on a Tuesday night. And the following Tuesday, January 25th. And we're going we're to pray and we're going to worship together and we're going to seek the Lord. And we'll, we'll set our, our hearts to fast and, and pray. And we will, we will have some things in mind, but I believe God's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could possibly ask or think because it's his work that is in us. Right? Amen. You guys be blessed today. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.